Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Thursday morning. We welcome you to downtown Hamilton, Ohio, and we'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) Because um, the guy we talked about the other day walking down the street with a lawnmower on the cement... It was beautiful. Was, was spotted again yesterday. Oh, yeah. Right? I saw a dude. I'll tell you a little bit about him later. Uh, there's a lot going on here in Hamilton, including some big event that we're televising here on Chatterbox Sports this weekend. Is that right, Casey? Um, it's it's closer to the uh, the airfields okay. out by, uh, is it Middletown? Westchester? Is it Middletown? Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's near Middletown. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it's, the Butler County airstrip you're talking about over there. I think so. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's, a little, it's a few miles down the road, not far. Yeah, the Ohio Challenge. It's a hot air balloon event. Okay. Are you getting in a hot air balloon? No, I am not. Would you get in a hot air balloon? I guess. We're strapping a GoPro to Elliot, and he's gonna skydive out of one when they get up. There. I will not. I will not. He's gonna record a zebra. Before we get to sports, sky. would any of you get in a hot air balloon? Would you do it? Yeah, I would. Would you yeah, I would get well, in. You guys? No, absolutely not. Yeah, no chance. I would skydive. Oh, no chance. I told you guys, I I I, I did a bungee jump off the largest one in the world. Four hundred feet. Straight down in Australia or New Zealand. Forgive me. Yeah, I got video of that somewhere. I'll find it. You gotta you gotta play that. I gotta find. I, I have it on one of those old. It's been so long ago. It's twenty years ago. Uh, one of those big, you know, what VHS things they used to have, right? Yeah. Rebate or whatever it was. Yeah. VHS. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Anyway, stupid, young, dumb, now just old, dumb. Welcome all of you to uh, Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman with a cast of thousands. They're all here. Happy today for a change. Not distraught as they've been for a number of days. Who's got their audio going over there? That's my bad. That's my bad. All right. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a. to 12. P. You almost dropped the ball there, Paulie. Yeah. You can join us on YouTube, the Chatterbox Sports page. If you'd rather join us in podcast form, please just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Well, we know. We talked about it. The Reds needed a big-time start from Graham Ashcraft last night. Bullpen tired, logging a lot of innings, throwing a lot of pitches, even before the All-Star break. And boy, did Ashcraft deliver the goods. The streaky right-hander put together his four-straight outstanding start. Pitches into the seventh inning, allowed just two runs. Your guy. God save the queen. God, God save, save the, the queen. queen. Crumpets and tea, fish and chips, Ian Jabot. He did it. He did it, Tom. Tell you what, he looked really good last night. One-run game. He came in throwing gas. His off-speed stuff had unbelievable movement. He took care of things in the seventh. Lucas Sims, eh, a little shaky in the eighth. Alexis Diaz looked as sharp as he's looked all year long in a perfect night. Will Benson gave the Reds all the offense they needed. Three-run home run, 3-2 win. The six-game losing streak over. And the final game of the series is today at 12:35. Andrew Abbott starts it for the Red Legs. Alex Cobb, a right-hander for the Giants. Cobb has only allowed one run over his last 13 innings of work. Milwaukee rallied in the seventh to beat Philadelphia 5-3. Thus, the Brewers remain two and a half in front of the Red Legs in the NL Central. How about what's going on in the American League East? We remember that record-setting start by Tampa Bay, right? Well, all of a sudden, over the last three months, they have been less than a 500 team. 
Recently, they've lost 11 of their last 14. And in doing so, they have lost the top spot in the division. That now belongs to the Baltimore Orioles, who beat the Dodgers yesterday 8-5. Baltimore is 50-30, and 30, following an 8-7 and seven start to the year. And then there's the bottom of the division. The New York Yankees. They were swept by the Angels in Anaheim yesterday. Stand nine games out of first place. Marlins third base coach Jody Reed suffered a fractured lower right leg after he got hit by a line drive foul ball last night in St. Louis. The injury recurred in the third inning in the Marlins 6-4 loss to the Cardinals. In golf, the 151st Open is underway in Liverpool and an amateur is in the lead. I believe you pronounce his name Christo Lamprecht. He goes to Georgia Tech. He is six feet eight inches tall, hails from South Africa. He fired a five under par 66 in round one. And right now with everybody out there on the course or some later to come, he has a two shot lead over Jordan Spieth and three others. Many of the big, big, big names, you know, uh, Rory and John Rahm and some of those guys, Mickelson, they're teeing up within the next hour. Soccer news, the Women's World Cup is underway at venues all over the globe. The United States team will play in Auckland against Vietnam this Saturday. That's at 9 Eastern time, p.m. The U.S. and England are heavy favorites going into group play. And, I mean, how good can the MLS be? Their all-star team got beat 5-0 by Arsenal last night. They did. That's a, that, that's a team in Europe. Right? Yeah. Okay. Good guys and maybe some schmoes. Yeah, they and they beat the ML all, MLS All Stars five nothing. Yeah, they sent they sent a good crew too. Yeah, we I were mean, talking about that yesterday. Well, who would they send? They did send a good crew. Okay. Yeah, I mean, MLS is not supposed to be like the top of the top. Dude, it's an All Star team. That's enough talk about yeah. that. <laughs> Football news and it's big go. time news. The Bengals announced their newest members of the Ring of Honor. Norman Julius Boomer Esiason, along with Chad Johnson slash Oso Cinco, will be honored September 25th when the Bengals host the L.A. Rams on a Monday night. Congratulations to Boomer and Chad. They certainly earned it. No two ways about it. And lastly, would Giants running back Saquon Barkley really sit out this season? He says he's thinking about it. He and the Giants can't get together on a long-term deal. You may remember Le'Veon Bell of the Steelers did this back in 2018. His career was never the same. Getting bad advice if you're thinking about doing it. Bad, bad advice. Um, I think most of the advice that I got from Franchester Martin Brenneman Jr. was pretty good. Uh, some of it, you know, I mean, hey, nobody's perfect. And uh, it uh, has been a while. We had him on finally last week after going nearly a month. Yesterday it was Luke Brenneman. Today it is Marty Brenneman joining the program. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm all right. What's going on today? I'll just give you a quick update on what's going on over at uh, Royal Liverpool. Crystal Lomprecht and uh, Tommy Fleetwood are tied for the lead at five under par. So that's an amateur and a professional. There you go. Did you see the picture, or maybe you saw the video, of the ball he had to hit out of the bunker today? Yes. We got to put that up sometime today. We don't have to do it right now. But I mentioned he's 6'8. 
And he's in one of those tiny little bunkers. And we'll show it. I'm not even going to bother to talk about it. But you're not going to believe um, his stance, where he was trying to hit the ball, where he could only hit the ball. It was, it was unbelievable. So good for him. Uh, I'm sure. Are you just uh, boarded up all day long watching that today or no? Uh, that's uh, the next four days. That's that's one of my favorite events of the year, the Open. That's one of my that, that and and the Ryder Cup, which is coming up in late September. And for the first time, I've been smart enough months and months and months ago when I had offers of opportunities to do things during the day. I blocked off that whole week, beginning with Tuesday all the way through Sunday. So I can sit and, like a fool, watch eight, nine hours of the Ryder Cup, which I intend to do because I love that event. Are those guys, did they ever get that in that deal with Liv? And I know it's not a done deal, but can Kepka and some of those guys, Dustin Johnson, whomever, are they allowed to play on the Ryder Cup team? Well, I think that's still up in the air. But I I would have to think that at the end of the day, they're going to work it out. I mean, they, you know, they're trying to get a, a, a deal put together to allow both of these uh, tours to coexist and have similar rules and have one commissioner to oversee them all. Uh, that All that's still up in the air because there's a monopoly case uh, in Congress uh, discussing whether or not it's a monopoly with a PGA and so forth. And but I think I think for the good of the game, they've got to get, allow those guys to play on the U.S. Ryder Cup team or the European team or the the uh, whatever they call that, yeah. the European team. Uh, for the good of the game, I think they have to be included when uh, that event comes up in late September. All right, let's shift gears to the Red Legs. Um, okay. You know, over over the last uh, number of weeks, we've seen a 12 game winning streak, and I know they beat some bad teams, but hey, they went out and won the games. Give them credit. Uh, and now most recently until last night, a six-game losing streak. Do you think that uh, they are um, closer to being a team for the remainder of the season that would play the way it did during the 12-game win streak or closer to a team that lost six in a row? Well, I think that it's somewhere in between, Tom. I don't think okay. you can say either or. They're either a, an impact team in the division or they're a team that's capable of running out there and losing six, seven, eight games in a row. I think they are not as good at the moment, quite honestly, as being a team that could, could be considered at this time a threat to win the division. Uh, and they're certainly not a team that's going to get blown out of it. Um they got pitching problems. I, there's no way you can paint it otherwise. And the unfortunate thing about the losing streak, especially against Milwaukee, is they wasted outstanding pitching. I mean, they got shut out three days in a row, but they got beat, I think, once by two by one nothing scores and one by three nothing. Yep. Uh, they wasted good pitching in that series. And and they got they got outstanding pitching last night from Graham Ashcraft. Um they still need pitching. And uh, this bullpen, you have to be concerned about. We've talked about this all season long uh, with David Bell's usage of the pen uh, out of a need uh, more often than not, that that you have to be concerned about how many times he can continue to go to the well in the last uh, coming up on two months, two and a half months of the season and expect these guys to be affected. Um, I noted uh Corbin Burns said when the Reds were in, uh, rather, Christian Yelich maybe in Milwaukee about whether or not they were going to be uh, deal makers uh, in terms of trading for 
as opposed to standing pat uh, at the trade deadline. And whichever one they were it was, it was Corbin Burns. Burns. It was Burns. He said they need more than one pitcher. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, more than one. You said that's fine. You can get one. But in this case, that team needs more than one. And I agree with that. Um, it, there's still the uncertainty looming over Hunter Green and, and Nick Lodolo. And even if they get them back, if they don't get them back until late August or early September, the die may well have been cast by then. So uh, they've got problems, and 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 I think they they've held up well, knowing this. I mean, it's not a flash bulletin to say this club is going uh, is is has some pitching problems, and I'm not worried about the offense. I know everybody panicked when they got shut out three times in a row. This is too good an offensive team to allow that to continue. I'm not even worried about. It. It's unfortunate, unfortunate that it came against a team they have to beat to get back into first place. But I'm not worried about their offense. I think their offense will be fine the rest of the way. Um, if I were Nick Crawl uh, and Tracy and I said that on the radio show, I wouldn't do anything. I would not make a move at all if it, it impacts this roster or it impacts some of the fine young talent that this club still has in its system. Um, you know, you trade for a pitcher, you give up a king's ransom, and you may get that pitcher for only two months. And then at the end of two months, maybe you don't get there. Now you've given up all this young talent in the hope that this one guy could be the guy to get you over the hump to get you into the postseason. I would not do a blasted thing if, if I'm Nick Crawl, if I have to give up an arm and a leg to get some guy that's going to be with me for 60 days. Okay. I mean, uh, you know, look, I see both sides of it, but, but I've said all along that you just don't know what's ever going to happen, uh, whether it be with health, whether it be with production. These young players yep. can have all the talent in the world, and we all agree they do, uh, whether it's Ellie or whether it's McLean or Steer or whomever it is. But, I mean, you know, I always just use the Cardinals of this year as an example. They had two studs on the corners, right, in, in, in Goldschmidt and Arenado, they had a bunch of young guys that everybody told us were going to be so great, and they haven't. And now all of a sudden they're dead last and they're talking about clearing house. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think it would be hard, though, Dad, to sit there and watch. Okay, you, you started to build up some trust with the fan base a little bit here. They, they, they're excited for the first time in a long time, especially after last year. Um, but it would be hard to kind of sit on the sideline and watch things start to spiral out of control if indeed that does happen and not try to do anything to address it while you're in the hunt two and a half games back on July the 20th. I disagree with that. Okay. I, 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 think, I think if this team stands pat and they, and, and they play out the rest of the year and they don't make the postseason, that is not going to make this any less of a magical year for this franchise, and with all the abundance of young talent they've got coming back next year and the year after and the year after that, I, that, that to me, I, I would not feel poorly toward this club if they elected not to trade some of the young talent they have in this system uh, in order to try and maybe get them into the postseason. Now, that's not to say that if you can make a deal uh, with a player or two that's not going to adversely affect you down the road but still has some tradable value as far as another team or teams are concerned, 
I, I certainly would consider that. But if they're talking about some of the guys that I've got on this roster right now, with a couple of exceptions, um, I, I I would turn a deaf ear toward those people. I tell you the one guy, and 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 I, and I've said this a couple of times. It took me a little while to warm up, but the more I watch him, the more I like him as Williamson. I just think there's something about him that, uh, you know, I said the other day, they're just watching him carry himself out on the mound. I didn't like what he said, you know, at Twitter and all that stuff about the rain, and he didn't like what Charlie Goldsmith said. But, you know, he's young. Okay, stuff happens. But he just looks to me like he's got a presence about him, much like Ashcraft does, where, where they're going out there and they're competing. And Williamson's got good stuff. Oh yeah, they, I mean they. He was he was a he was a number one guy in that trade uh, with Seattle that they yeah. made involving Winker and Suarez uh, when that trade was made a couple of years ago. He was a, he was a guy that the Reds most wanted, and and it, it maybe took him a little bit longer to, to get it, the kind of command that they felt he needed to to be effective in the major leagues. But um, no, I like him a lot. I, I you certainly have to pencil him in to any future starting rotation. He, Ashcraft, Abbott, and then you've got Green and Lodolo who seemingly can't stay healthy. Um, uh, they, they, to me, uh, especially Green, uh, seems to be a question mark in my mind down the road. But um, uh, yeah, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I like these guys and I hate to keep saying it, but I'm gonna say it until people realize that what I said two or three years ago was right. If Nick needed any vindication whatsoever, uh, after being hammered, uh, but getting rid of all those guys way back when and when he was under orders to reduce the payroll. And the only way he could do it was get rid of people like Suarez and Winker and and uh, and Sonny Gray and, and Tyler Malley and all these guys. Um, he didn't miss a beat. Uh, he, he, he did not make a single mistake on any of the trades that he made there. You don't think Tyler Malley would uh, – the, the Minnesota Twins would love to give Tyler Malley back to the Reds for what they gave up to get him? I mean, you know, it, it's – I just – I just – I'm happy for him because I think he's a damn good general manager, and I think if anybody needed to be proven that, they he's proven it based on the moves he's made in the last few years. All right, he made the decision along with those around him that he likes and he trusts, uh, David Bell included – that they were going to bring up Christian Encarnacion Strand after having a monster year this season uh, in Louisville. 20 home runs, knocked in over 60, batting 330, whatever he was hitting down there. Uh, he gets his first major league hit the other night. Uh, Three-run home run, big home run. Um, and everybody's excited about him, like they were De La Cruz, like they were McLean, like they were Steer, all this kind. Of. But now all of a sudden – uh, David Bell, dad, and, and we talked about this months ago, uh, certainly feeling that Encarnacion Strand sooner or later would be brought up, um, a dilemma of who to play and where to play him on a daily basis. Uh, fans want to see all these young guys play. There are also some sentimental fans that want to see Joey Votto play. Jonathan India has a lot of fans in this town. He also has some detractors in this town. How do you think Bell manages through all this? Well, I, I think so far he's done a pretty good job of doing yeah. it. Uh, and, and I think one of the things that is a bailout in the National League for every manager that has a similar problem is now that we have the DH. You know, that makes it a whole lot easier uh, with Encarnacion Strand up here to get him into the lineup and Joey Votto at the same time if that's a concern. 
um, uh, then the, you've got to, you've got to be, uh, you've got to be a little bit creative in terms of, of the other people and noted last night, I think Jonathan India did not start. Um, uh, but you got, you got a guy like strand. I mean, uh, so, uh, so the kid, uh, from uh, Minnesota, I'm having a steer metal box steer. He can play everywhere. Yeah. And and the thing that's so valuable about him is, unlike a lot of quote utility players, not only can he play everywhere, he can play everywhere well. I mean, he can play the outfield well. He plays third base well. He plays first base well. There's not a single position that I'm aware of that you can put him at that they would say, well, I don't know, he's a little weak defensively there. Um, this is, you know, as all of general managers and managers say, this is really a nice problem to have, and sure. I guess it is, but there are also some negatives, as you point up, to try and keep people happy and at the same time um, uh, uh, give these guys enough playing time to keep them sharp, especially from an offensive standpoint. These guys are really talented players. I, I cannot remember in all the years I've been associated with this club where I've seen more good young players arrive at basically the same time, give or take a few months, and all of a sudden they all come together and they all seemingly individually and collectively produce. I think you have to go back to the mid-'80s when the Reds brought up all in one fell swoop, Barry Larkin and Kurt Stillwell and Cal Daniels and Tracy Jones, and I know I'm forgetting some about Paul O'Neill. All these guys basically came up at the same time within a season or so, and all of them produced early. Um, uh, this is this is a situation that they're going to have to deal with and probably will have to play around with it for the rest of the year because now you're doing it on the run and now you're trying to do it and figure out how we can win and stay in the hunt. Uh, I think when the season ends and spring training begins and there probably will be players that are not here, um, it, it may be a little bit easier, but boy, it's sure a nice problem to have, I think. Well, I guess Indy is back in there today batting fifth. Uh, it looks like uh, Matt McLean will get his day off today. Ellie De La Cruz is back in there. Um, you know, uh, I asked you before the season started, and I agreed 1,000% with what you said uh, about Joey Votto, uh, that this would be his last year as a Red. I'm starting to wonder if that's going to be the case. Now, we know that contractually there is an obligation there that says if you bring Votto back, you got to pay him $20 million. If you don't bring him back, you got to pay him seven just to leave. That's not a bad deal getting $7 million on your way out the door after you just got paid $250 million. But, um, you know, look, uh, his batting average is not very good, but he's had some big-time hits, home runs, and big-time series that they've played. Uh, he clears to, clearly is healthy uh, for the first time in over a year and a half. Um, do, do you think there's any chance, knowing kind of the backlog of talent they have here, whether it's Steer as a first baseman and Carnacion Strand as a first baseman, all this kind of thing going, uh, Stevenson, whatever they're going to do with him, do you think there's any chance they rethink that? I don't think they rethink it one second if the, the rethinking leads them to believe the only way they can keep Joey Votto is to give him $20 million. No, no, no. And I meant to there finish by no saying that. I meant to say that they're not going to pay him the 20 But, I mean, if they, you know, if all of a sudden they figured on half that amount or a third of that amount, I mean, you think there's a chance, A, the team would do it, Votto would do it? I know you're not a mind reader, but, I mean, do you think that that's at least a possibility? 
Well, I think there are all sorts of factors that need to be considered. It, it, you have to sit down your hierarchy and say, okay, if we bring him back at a price that we can live with and a price that he can live with, is it going to impede the progress of one or more of the young players that we have on this roster? And if the answer is yes, then we say goodbye to Joey Votto. If they say we can make it work and keep everybody happy, similar to what they apparently are doing now, then I certainly think it's, it, it's something to be considered. I, Joey Votto is a very bright guy, but he also has to know, and Trent Rosecrans wrote as much in The Athletic, I think, in an article today, Joey knows full well they're not going to pay him $20 million next year. Um, he, I think he's got to be aware of that. And I really have to believe that maybe there's been some discussion already that we are not aware of between Joey Votto and Nick Kroll about his future with the ball club beyond 2023. Um, I, I, I still think the bottom line is, can we bring him back with the understanding he's not going to play every day? Can we bring him back with our feeling that it's not going to impede the progress of the people who would be impacted by his being in the lineup at first base? Uh, and you mentioned him, Encarnacion Strand and, and, and uh, Spencer Steer and people like that. I don't think you can discount uh, the possibility that he could be in a red uniform next year, but I think it would have to be a situation whereby he would agree to take a far lesser figure than $20 million in 2024. Isn't it so interesting? You know, we say it all the time, and it's a cliche I know about baseball being a funny game. You know, when this season started, everybody knew about the Reds' prospects. Okay, we, we knew and the rankings and the, the whole nine yards. But when this season started, the four guys, the franchise and the fan base, felt like they were most excited about and what they were going to do this season were Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Jonathan India, and Tyler Stevens. We have Correct. not seen or heard from Lodolo in three months. It's been two months since we were told that Hunter Green was going to come back on July the 2nd. Here we are two and a half, three weeks later. He's barely throwing off a mound in Arizona. Stevenson has not done anything. Uh, and India, you know, look, he's had his ups and his downs. It's just funny how all of a sudden, you know, those four guys are very little, at least except for probably India. The other three yeah. are almost afterthoughts at this point. Uh, it's, it's, it's beyond comprehension. I mean, when you go back, as you said, and we – look back to the winter months and spring training and talked about uh, what we would predict in terms of personnel down the road that could be impact players in 2023. And, and the names of Encarnacion Strand and Spencer Steer and TJ Friedel and Jake Fraley, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, were never mentioned. Um, as I said, I don't care whether this club win. It would be wonderful if they got to the postseason. If they didn't, I still maintain we will look back on 2023 in the years in the future and talk about what an exciting time it was when a bunch of young, inexperienced players, most of whom were rookies, came together with incredible talent and, and, and made this a season that really brought the Reds back to the forefront in the minds of the sporting public in this town. Um, the last thing, what would they, there was one other thing I wanted to ask you about, doggone it. Um, shoot. Um, Tell to get all in it. 
It really is. Golly, day, it's happened. I do it all the time. In the last 24 hours. Uh, uh, there was something else I wanted to ask you about. And, and Oh, I know what it was. Um, the Hall of Fame weekend. Um, you know, the situation with Johnny Bench, unfortunately, uh, took away a lot of the headlines from the guys who actually went in and that kind of thing. How was the actual induction uh, that night on Sunday night? We saw him on the field Saturday. Yep. They had to keep everything brief. How was Sunday night? Sunday, the Sunday night was typically outstanding, and uh, so much of that has to do with the uh, with the creativity and and uh, the magical work that the guy who produces that show, Philip Myers, did. Um, it was a crowd of almost a thousand people. Uh, it was very good. It ran long. Uh, <laughs> I told Danny Graves, "I hope I live as long as you can talk." Uh, and, 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 uh, you know, guys get wrapped up and, and they go on and on and on and on. And, and so in that respect, it ran long. And I think they re uh, for me, they need to do something in order to make these people realize that are going in, that you have so much time. They do that at the hall of fame in, in, in Cooperstown and they don't apologize for it. You've got so much time and you better get it done. Um, but it, it was a great, a great show. Um, Bronson was sensational because in his acceptance speech, he incorporated two or three songs uh, that were so appropriate. And so I, I, uh, I'm always impressed with the, with the production and the show that the ball club puts on uh, for the benefit of the Reds Hall of Fame and Museum. Uh, I thought it was great. And now we can look forward to it two years from now. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you about, because Danny Graves had said it on this show, and I was hoping you didn't see it. Did you get to put his red jacket on him? Because he wanted you to do it. I did. Okay. I did. All right. Good. That's I certainly nice. did. That's yeah. really, really nice. I'm glad that happened. He's one of my favorite people uh, in the history of, of my life, um, and certainly in baseball. I, I just think he's a young man who uh, had some early problems when he pitched here. He turned his life around. Uh, he's a credit to this organization now. He's a humble young man, and uh, nobody was more thrilled for him going into the Reds Hall of Fame than I was. Yep, yep, great guy, Arroyo too. And and, and I thought, uh, yeah, I thought that's right. Paul's, uh, daughter did a great job, and it was a Jenny great Paul night. was Jenny Paul was sensational. She was just sensational. Yep. Yes. All right. Thanks for joining us today, Dad. Have a great weekend. Go back to the golf. You can sit around and watch. I like night, night. Hey, nice to see Casey and Paul back. You know, I kind of miss him when I was on last week. How about that, um, fellas? Yeah, that, that's it. That's it. That, that's part of the entire structure of this program is these guys being there. Oh, well, thank, thank you, Marty. Marty. We appreciate. That. Good to see you. Good to see you. You have anything to add to nice Elliot and Jacob? Face. Anything to add to Elliot and J Have you, Dad, have you seen Elliot's uh, oh, no. Dream Weaver <laughs> no. video? No, 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 yes, no, no. One yesterday. No. Listen, we're yeah, not you doing played it last, last week. Okay, you played all right, it. okay, all right, okay. I, well, I wanted you to make sure you knew that they were here as well today. Elliot, Jacob. How are you, Marty? Mr. Brenneman. There they are. How you doing, boys? Good, doing good. great. How are you? Which one of you is taking a nap yet during this program? <laughs> Jacob. Believe me, if you if you hang around this program long enough, you'll realize they all take naps sooner or later. Oh, uh, you know, it is what it is, Tom. It is what it is. Were you getting ready to say something, Elliot? You, no. you started to point. I no. saw you. Well, no. no, I no, I'm good. No, I'm good. You sure? Yeah. No, I'm good. That's okay. You know, he's Go been ahead, beating Elliot. up. What he's, you been got? Beat, he's been beating up Ian Jabot. 
Uh, and the big fella went out there last night, and I mean, he was dealing last night. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm a big fan of Ian Jabo. I might have been critical of him early in the year, but this guy has come on. He's gotten his feet firmly planted on the major league mound. And I think from the, from, from the, the whole general uh, season that this young man's had, he's done very well. And I think they need to count on him as being a part of that bullpen come next year. I like him. What do you say to that, Elliot, if anything? Marty, he fights for the other, he fights for the other side. He fights for the queen and, and, and the king over there in England. <laughs> well, you have to understand, you're talking to somebody that doesn't give a damn about English royalty. So <laughs> yeah, I don't care what he's doing. I, I could care less about that. If, he, if he's a fan of, of the royalty over in England, God bless him. I'm, I don't hold that against him. That's, well, that's some part you of, know, you say that, but I know that there's been a time or two where you've been rubbing elbows with Meghan Markle and, uh, and Prince Harry. You know, they've come yeah. over here very destitute. And you oh, feel very goodness. sorry for them and how hard life was and all these millions and millions of dollars. So I know you rub elbows with those kind of people. We don't here in Hamilton, I but you do. <laughs> yeah, I, I rubbed elbows with them all right. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, only take everything I said back. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, Dad, thanks. Have a great rest of the day. All right, guys, you too. Take okay. care. All right, the Hall of Famer, Marty Brenneman, kind enough to join us. Mark Fetter says, Marty is American royalty. That's right. It's true. How about him calling you guys, wanting to say hello? I mean, you know, that's a big league operator. It is. He is. Yeah. It is. He's that's always Marty's always been great with us. The, the whole time this show's been going on, Marty's been great. Yeah, he always checks in with us. He's always been awesome to us. Love him. Great guy. Ian Jabot. I mean, I got to tell you, you know, the guy takes the ball, Elliot. He takes the ball. I mean, you've got these ballyhooed, Young 20-something-year-old number one picks, yeah. right? Injured, not beating him up. You can't gauge a man's injury. I'm, I'm not doing that. What I am saying is a fact. These two guys can't take the ball. And your guy, Ian Jabot, takes it every time they call his name in that bullpen. He does. He does. Listen, I want to like Ian Jabot, Tom. I no, no, like you, no, you yes, don't. Yes, I do. You have no yes, interest in liking him. Everybody yes, around here knows. You have no respect. interest in liking this him. This is slanderous, this chatter going around the room right now. Slanderous. I want to like him. The issue is, if there's a runner on first, second, or third, he becomes the worst pitcher of all time. I don't. That's just a fact. That's a fact. That's not an opinion. That's a fact. But to credit Ian Jabot, my best friend from England... When there is nobody on base, he is Mariano Rivera. That's a fact. That's not me saying it. That's a fact. So I, I don't want to hear the slander about me not liking the guy. I mean, I love you him. know, he, he is – it's brought – this is a great point by David Brown. Uh, and tomorrow, by the way, we're doing the uh, chat rankings. Who, whose week is it this week? Has anybody decided? Uh, we haven't decided. I don't know. I don't think we Jacob can. Well, somebody better Jacob start. is doing I'm it doing next week. I'm doing the week after for my whole time here. Okay. Oh, for the whole time. Yeah. Okay. Should I do it again? Can I do it again? No. <laughs> not after last week. Uh, Why not? No. Why? 
I, I'm you asking, already did it once, like once in the last two weeks. Let's let the chat come together yeah. and decide yeah, who they want. Okay. Chat. Anyway, we'll, we'll David, we'll David had a great point here. He says Ian Jabot is a ham and egger. He is. It's more of a tea and crumpeter. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> right. But I mean, come on now, Elliot. I'm trying, Tom. I'm trying to like him. I'm trying, Ian. If you have, if you want to reach out to me. If, if Ian, I'll tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to follow Ian on Twitter right now. And if Ian, if Ian, you know, is, is nice to me, I will take every single thing I've ever said about him back. So we'll, I'll, we'll do that right now. Maybe I'll get to talk to Ian, but I want to, I want to fight for him, Tom. But you know, I, you know, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. You want to fight for him? It is. So you're like, um. I want to pick Roosevelt up my... or Truman, and he's like the Neville Chamberlain or Winston Churchill. Which would it be? If, sure. I, I, yeah. I, I don't get the reference. They don't teach you that ever. Nah, at nah, nah, no, nah, no, nah. It's a, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's old news. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Let, let's talk about the game last night. Uh, after we take a timeout, we got Tracy Jones coming up at uh, 1130 today. Uh, and we also need to get to this Bengals thing, right? Ring yep. of Honor. I must say... There's a part of me, maybe like you, um, that is is surprised by the two that are going in. And then, of course, there is a part of me that is not surprised at all. I'm more surprised by one person who is not going in. So we'll get to that in a minute. Ham and Eggers, take it away. It's that type of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Probably going to talk a little bit more about the Bengals Ring of Honor. So the Bengals Report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve. Are you asking me or Elliot? I'm asking you, Casey. What do they improve? Efficiency and productivity. That's right, Casey. Because I know our sponsors. Oh, Wow. I, I did not say that? that. You can visit Encore.tech because the path to innovation begins there. I just I just want to know, and I did not say that. I, I meant... Continue. Continue. <laughs> Continue with the show. Uh, we got a delivery of Pawnee yesterday. Big time. We got a couple of pallets of Pawnee. Big time. Got a big delivery. P-A-H-H-N-I, water.com. It's made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. It uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. And the result is the best tasting water in the world. It's healthy alkaline water. It's fantastic. We love it. You can visit their website at pawneywater.com. P-A-H-H-N-I water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I water.com to see where you can buy it. It just tastes like water. You know? That's right. I would hope it does. I mean, what was I'm that like analysis? I mean, what was that analysis? <laughs> I mean, what was that? I mean, uh, other waters just don't taste like water. They taste like some sort of like flavoring or something just nasty. Uh, I mean, can't can we agree with that? Like, there's some waters that just don't taste right. Reed Mouse in the chat is doing bad work for Elliot here. Uh oh. Looks like Ian Jabot's numbers are better. With runners on base. Okay, so he sucks either way. Then what's <laughs> then what are we what, 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 then what are we crying about? Then what are we crying about, guys? I want to like him. I want to. But when he went over there and pitched for Great Britain, 
you know, I lost some trust in him. I lost some trust. Did he pitch well for Great Britain? Do we know? I don't know. I don't know. All right, let's do a little world baseball. Let's do some live world baseball classic uh, digging. (laughs) Checking a box score from four months ago. Let's hop in on the stats of the world baseball classic. Because we know Tom loves the world baseball classic. All right, here we go. Pitching. Jabot, where are you? Jabot, where is he? Where is he? I'm... I spell his name wrong? No. He's not even listed. Wait, what day or what year? This year. I have no problems with the World Baseball Classic. Uh, the problem is um, when you start oh, getting big name guys that go down hurt, yeah. guys aren't going to want to play. I agree. I mean, what happened with Diaz, Alexis Diaz's brother, Edwin Diaz, closer for the Mets, uh, missing the entire year. I think he got hurt in a celebration, didn't yep. he? Yep, yep. Um, How do you hurt yourself in a celebration? Believe me, there has been. I know there's been. There have been of hundreds of them through the years. There he is. Uh, I mean, it's it's mind-boggling. Jacob, uh, do you know the guy that he only appeared the, one time? Did the flip in the end zone and hurt himself? Was that Chris Henry? I don't know. I don't think it was Chris. Henry. He threw there two was, innings. Jerome Simpson. No, the, I, I'm, I'm talking about a guy that did a front flip and then like tore his ACL as he was making the landing. That do, happened like do not six, seven years ago. I think he, he has to be talking about Jerome Simpson. That's the only one I can think of that did a front flip. No, it's not him, but... He only threw two innings? Is this right? Well, they probably well, didn't last very long. Yeah, there were probably better options. <laughs> <laughs> he got the save, though. Did he? Oh, boy. Did he give he, up a run? Oh, boy. He pitched in one game. Okay. He gave up... Probably the only game they won. He gave up two runs, one earn. I mean, what are we doing? And that one earned was a home run. That was one earned. Two hits oh, in two it's innings. Good, Casey. He struck out two batters, and he got a save. See, you know, back to this thing, though, that you bring up, because uh, as Reed points out, and, and, and this is something when you're a manager, don't you have to think about it? Because what you said is 100% true. I mean, through all of the kidding around here, you're spot on about Jabot. The difference between a clean inning and coming on with guys on base. Well, I mean, his numbers this year without runners on. Opponents are hitting three or 238. 238 with an on-base percentage of 319. Those are fantastic numbers. So if you're David Bell, now look, there might be days and situations where you have to bring him in for a multitude of reasons. But if you can and you want to bring him in like he did last night, it was a clean inning because Ashcraft had just given up the home run, which I have to tell you, right around a 90 pitch mark, I, that was a pop fly that in any, in probably 90% of the ballparks in Major League Baseball isn't out. Ashcraft was dealing last night. That guy didn't hit that ball well at all. It was small American ballpark that allowed that to be a home run. And the second it turns into a 3-2 game, these guys all of a sudden think because he gave up a pop fly that landed in the stands that he's got to come out of the game. I think it's like the, the – so what it ended up happening was you used three relievers to cover the last three innings, seven, eight, nine. If I'm not mistaken, that's like the 12th time in the last 13 or 14 games where the Reds have had to use at least three relievers in a game. 
Why are you taking Ashcraft out last night? I know it's nitpicking a little bit, but man, you got guys running on fumes down there with not an off day in sight. To, yeah, to be fair, he, he walked the bases loaded the inning before. He was struggling with command, so... It, well, that was two innings before. Two in, okay, well, still... He had a one, two, three, six. It seems like It seems like he was deteriorating at that point anyway. I was honestly surprised they brought him back out for that sixth inning. I, I thought after... The bases loaded, even though he did get out of the gym. I thought, after, you know, the bases loaded. I didn't think they were going to bring him back out, struggling with command. So I really don't have an issue after he gives up a home run taking him out. Yeah. Especially if you have faith in Jabot, Sims, Diaz getting three outs apiece, which it seems like they do. Yeah, I was okay. surprised that he came out for the seventh. You were? Yeah, I mean, not that I'm... He had a one, two, three, six, and he's given up one run in six innings. Yeah, I mean, it's just... And he's right around 80 pitches. It's more just less that David Bell usually takes his guys out. And okay. he was at 90-something pitches. Like, he was close enough to that mark where we were like, okay, well, you know. Okay. But, you know, he, he, if he doesn't give up that home run there, I think he probably would have come out anyways after that batter because he was getting up to the, to the hundreds after that, right? He was. He was, like he was closing in on 100. Yep. Yep. I don't know. I, I just don't know where that became. It, to me, it's eye test. Ashcraft is young. He's a big, strong guy. Unlike Lodolo and Green, you don't wake up in the morning and wonder whether or not Ashcraft's going to be ready to take the ball every five days, even when he's going terribly. And he had a 8-10 to 10 stretch there, start stretch, where he was one of the worst pitchers in baseball. We know that. Uh, after getting off to a great start in April, he was brutal in May and June, and now all of a sudden, well, really starting about the third week of June. No, right around July the 1st. He, he is just as good as he was back in April. I mean, he is really pitching well. And I just find it, I, I just find it so interesting how now you look at Ashcraft and you look at, at, uh, at Williamson, and now these are the guys that you're saying, okay, you know, we have something to look forward to. I'm not dispelling, you know, what's going to happen down the road with Green and Lodolo. But I got to tell you, you know, you talk to professional athletes and especially baseball players. And I had the chance to do that my entire life and 31 years broadcasting games. If there is a common theme that you will hear from baseball players, starting from the time they come up through the minor leagues, to the time they get to the big leagues. And look, there is such a thing as just bad luck. There's no doubt about it. But the common theme is the last thing a player wants to be known for is a guy that spends time in the trainer's room. Where you're going in there all the time, you're seen in there all the time by your teammates, you got one thing, maybe it's something else. And then maybe the next time it's something else. Now, look, Lodolo, you know, he, he cracks a bone in his shin. He tried to pitch through it. God bless him. That's bad luck. Hunter Green had Tommy John surgery. That's bad luck. But, you know, here we are now, more so Green than Lodolo, where I hear it from fans already. I had a guy say, guy say to me yesterday, guy that's out working in, uh, in construction, he looks at me and he's like, are you kidding me? Hunter Green's got a sore hip? 
Was that now, like- I don't know if something's wrong with his hip, seriously wrong with his hip. I don't know. We know he hasn't had surgery. But he's 23 years old, and you know, we haven't seen him in a month. So, again, I'm not sitting here beating guys down who get hurt. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you're having guys that are starting to get a reputation of being hurt a lot. And that is not something that baseball players wear as some kind of badge of honor because they want to be out there. Hunter Green wants to be out there. Nick Lodolo wants to be out there. They're sitting out in Arizona with a three-hour time difference watching every single Reds game, every single pitch, rooting on their teammates. And their teammates want them to be there. So hopefully, I don't know when it's going to be because when they gave the – Charlie Goldsmith gave the updates yesterday – Green is just now throwing off a mound. And Lodolo, the same. I mean, Lodolo, you know, he's got to get used to putting weight back on uh, a broken bone in his lower leg. So, you know, hopefully these guys can get back, be healthy. Good Lord willing, they're healthy for the next 10 years and have great careers. But... They were counting on these guys, and it hadn't worked out so far. Any thoughts on any of the above? Yeah, I think there's. Am a, I out of line saying that? No, and I think it's a fair point. I think Nick Senzel has dealt with this his entire career, and I say this with love and respect. But if you if you're hurt every season, and you can count on that guy getting hurt every single season, you lose trust, you lose faith in that guy. And again, it's not a knock. The best ability is availability, and if they're not available, you can't trust them, right? Nick Senzel has dealt with that his entire career. I still don't trust him. I still think he'll get hurt. I don't want that to happen. It's just what he has done to himself over the course of his career. He's just gotten hurt. Nobody wants it. It just happens. Jonathan India, as much as we joke about Jonathan India on this show, Jonathan India, if he gets hurt in a game, he's not coming out. And that's, again, it's different injuries, different scenarios, but Jonathan India gets hurt once a week. And he is constantly fighting to stay in that game. That's a fact. Despite of how bad of a hitter he is, despite how bad of a defender he is, he got, God love him, that's what he's done. And I think that's a fair point. I think that's a fair point. Some guys fight harder to stay on the field than others. How big of a difference is it for a pitcher? If we're going to just look at the, the big injuries on our team, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, how much of a difference is it in their pitching? Like, how much does it matter when it's a an ankle injury or the hip? Well, it's does, a big, it's really, a big deal. Really? It's a big deal. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, if you just look too, at the mechanics like, of a pitcher on the mound, if you're talking about legs here, okay, and hip all the way up, right? You've got the push-off, then you have the landing. So there is maximum torque on, say, if you're a right-handed pitcher, there's maximum torque on that right leg as you're pushing off the rubber. So starting with a foot injury, ankle, shin, knee, thigh, hamstring, groin, hip, all the way through releasing the ball, coming down on the left leg, which the pressure and the torque, all the same there, maybe even a little bit more because you're landing on it as opposed to pushing off on it. So it's a big deal. There's no doubt it's a big deal. Yeah, and I, that's why I'm just not – I'm not going to kill those guys. The Nixon Zell thing, I think there is merit to that. Like you said, best ability is availability. But what do you do with him? Like, do you what, – what, 
what options are there really other than to like just let him go? Like, is that is that what we're talking well, about? Well, I mean, you know, like, they, basically, he is going. He will be in a position if they don't trade him. And let's be honest: the two guys, you guys, correct me if I'm wrong here. The two guys that have been affected the most with all of these young guys coming up that have done a lot of good things for this Reds team this year are Kevin Newman and Nick Senzel. Yep. Their playing time has been dramatically altered, right? Yep. Okay. Um, so in, in the case of both uh, Newman, it gives just him a one-year deal, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, both of those guys, Casey, in essence, will, would become, if you don't trade them, um, Newman has had enough service time where he would become a free agent. And um, Senzel would be a guy that you would uh, DFA. You would not offer him a contract. You just let him walk out the door because he'd go to arbitration and he'd be in line, service time, all those kinds of things, even through the injuries and all the missed time and not a lot of good stats. But that's just the way arbitration works. It is a player's bonanza and an owner's nightmare. But the owners agreed to it, so live with it. I mean, all of a sudden, he would jump up into making Lord knows what, and you're not going to pay him because he's not going to be a regular player. Right. What do you do with those two guys? I think you got, you're looking at this deadline to get something for Senzel. Like you, I mean, I'm not thinking we're going to get any major league help for Nick Senzel, but if we can turn Tyler Naquin into two guys we're really excited about in the minor league system right now, why couldn't we get you know, one 18- or 19-year-old down in single A that we can at least get excited about for Nick Senzel, who is a pretty good left-handed bat with, with versatility, yes, yes, versatility that can provide value to a contender, I think. I mean, anyone's going to let it. I would assume anyone would probably let him go after this year and not, yeah. you know, not deal with an extension. But yep. there, there's probably a contender out there that's itching for a left-handed bat or a bat against left-handed pitching that you know, plays a pretty good third base and can be a serviceable at all three outfield spots. Kevin Newman, to me, would go first. I think. And, and I should clarify, because I failed to mention, Newman, they, when, when they brought up Encarnacion, I mean, he is on the injured list. Yes. But, I mean, his playing time was already being affected. But, but, so go ahead. I just want I, to clarify that. Yes. I would, get rid of, I would get rid of Newman first. I think, I think you just DFA him. I don't think he offers any trade value whatsoever. Uh, it's like Jacob said, I think Senzel is young enough, and I think he's good enough to get something to warrant some kind of talent back. Uh, Kevin Newman does not. I think in a package deal, then Kevin Newman, you can throw Kevin Newman in with somebody, perhaps a Jonathan India, wink, wink. But I, I, I think right now you, keep, you look to keep Senzel because he's better against lefties. You're not going to get anything for Senzel. No. You're not. You're not going to get anything for him. Um, and probably the same for Newman. But both of those guys do give you a bat now against a left-handed pitcher off the bench. So if you're still in contention, Paul, I mean, you'd have a hard time if both of them are active players. You'd have a hard time trading either one of them because, man, you get into some of these games and the other team brings in a left-hander from the bullpen, those are two pretty good options to have. Although we're starting to reach the point, I say that, we're starting to reach a point where, you know, we've already seen him pitch hit for Votto, Right. Ellie's been a lot better lately against left-handed pitching after a terrible start. His numbers aren't great, but they're not bad. You're not going to hit for him. You're not going to hit for Steer. You're not going to hit for India against a left-handed pitcher. You're not going to hit for McLean. You're not going to hit for Encarnacion Strand. 
you're probably not going to hit for because you might hurt his feelings, Tyler Stevenson. Now, you might hit for a Friedel, right, or a Fraley. So, I mean, do you, do you keep him? Knowing they can just walk out the door at the end of the year for nothing? Yeah, it goes back to what we just keep talking about. It, if you don't keep them, then they're going to walk out. You know, they're just, what are you going to get in return? You're not getting anything in right. return for these guys. So then that comes back to, all right, well, what do you do with them for the next two months of the season? They sit there. You're not going to DFA these guys. So what's going on? I, I just, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough spot because as much as we want to sit here and talk about guys that have spots on the team, guys that do or don't have spots in the lineup because of all these rookies you're calling up, where does Stevenson fit in? Where does Senzel fit in? Where, where do these guys that are seemingly on the outside looking in, what do you do with these guys? The problem is that they're just not getting, they're not going to get much in return right now. You're not going to go out and get this elusive starting pitcher that we keep talking about for Nick Senzel and Tyler Stevenson. I mean, that's just not... Uh, Tyler Stevenson now, I'm going to disagree with that one. I think that you could get something if he's in a package. Because he's still young enough where I think there are a lot of teams that would say, I'll take my chances with Tyler Stevenson. But then who are the Reds playing at catcher? Well, I, no, no, I, I understand. Chuck okay. Chuck I thought we were talking. You brought in Stevenson, so f- forgive me there. I thought we were talking more about Newman and uh, and Senzel. Now, I'm just talking about expendable guys that okay. seem to be on the outside looking in of this roster right okay. now. And okay. to me, that yeah, Kevin Newman does check that box. But if you're if you're just looking at the crop of guys that are expendable because of how the roster is shaping, maybe guys that are going to get called up. You know, if, I, I doubt Marte gets the call this year. But when you're talking about guys that potentially are going to be the future of this team, that could get the call up or could be, uh, you know, future members of this team as it relates to the, the, you know, the next few years and guys that maybe you get something back for or maybe you have to DFA, you're looking at that group of like a Stevenson, uh, an India potentially, uh, you know, Kevin Newman. I'd throw Fraley in there. A lot of people might not, but I would throw Fraley in there. I don't well, mind. I don't no, mind. I don't I mean, mind. The way Will Benson's going right now, why not? 100%. Yeah, I don't mind trading Fraley at all. I don't know. A lot of people might disagree with that. I don't mind trading Fraley at all. So, and then just ride it out with Benson. And I think realistically, Fraley is who you get somebody. That's the for. thing. That, think, that, yeah. That's my. That's exactly my point. Realistically, if you want a good start, a decent starting pitching, you're going to have to give away Jake Fraley or prospects, which nobody wants to give away. So more more than likely, you're giving away Jake Fraley. I think Jake Fraley is probably the most likely red in the active lineup to get traded at the deadline. Yeah. If I had to guess. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And I don't mind doing that. No. I bet, like I, I, I'm not afraid of a trade. I might be the only one in this city that's going to say that, but, like, I'm not afraid of a trade. And I'm just – I keep going back. Look, I get it. I totally get it where you, you don't want to mortgage the future on this year. I get it because the reality tells you that this team probably is not that good. But the real, the reality also tells you that this division is probably not going to be this bad again. No I know doubt. the No I, doubt about I know it. the Brewers – and the Cubs have pieces they either need to move or DFA or whatever. The Cubs have been supremely disappointing. The Pirates have dealt with some injury issues. Where's O'Neill Cruz? You know, you know there, there are pieces to this 
Central that may tell you it's not going to be great. It's not going to be the best division in baseball. But the Cardinals are not going to be this bad. Like, I, I don't... I, and I, the Cubs aren't going to be this bad. And the Cubs are not going to be They're not. eight They're not. back or whatever they are now. So, I'm not afraid to trade a guy like Jake Fraley to go out there and at least get you something. But I, then again, 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 we keep saying trade... But what is this Reds team? You go out and you trade for starting pitching, except if you if you get Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo back, then you don't really need the starting pitching, so then maybe you need the bullpen help. Yep. But really, the bullpen isn't pitching all that well right now because of how much they've had to pitch, and maybe the starting pitching coming back helps that, and it's just a domino effect. So what do you really need? If you boil it down, what do you really need at the trade deadline? And that's... Again, the circle of life, why I keep coming back to this, where I say, do the Reds even make a move, or do they just sit on their hands at the deadline because they don't necessarily need anything unless they want to put some chips in the middle of the table to try and win something this year, which I would argue that they should just because of how this division is stacking up. But then again, the flip argument to that is you don't want to do that because this team is not a team that's really going to contend for a World Series. And so what if they just make the postseason without trying to win a World Series? Look, I think you're spot on there. And, and I understand, like I said, both sides of this argument. But just based on the excitement level in this city and what we saw going back to the, the Brave Series, packed to the gills, right? The Padres series, Swifty weekend, packed to the gills, to last weekend against the Brewers, jam-packed except for Sunday. Still had 30,000 there Sunday, but huge crowds all weekend long. The excitement around the 12-game win streak. First time in a long time the town's excited about the team. And conversely, the reaction and how passionate, which we that's not a word that would describe most fans' feelings one way or the other about this franchise over the last number of years. It would be indifference. It would be apathy. There is a passion that exists there now that has not existed in a long time. I just find it hard to believe that with that in mind, you can sit there if you own the team or if you're the general manager of the team, that you can sit there and watch things start to just crumble. You can't do that, can you? Can you honestly sit there? And I'm not saying they're wrong if they do. I'm not saying that. Paul, let me hit the nail on the head there. Because I think there certainly is traction to the argument that they need to go out and wheel and deal and try to win right now. Because you don't know, we've talked about this a thousand times, when you're going to contend again. You just don't know. Okay? The other side is you got all these young guys, you know, and you're banking on all of them being great players. Well, the Reds were banking on Indian Stevenson being great players. They've been good players. They haven't been great players. Could Ellie be great? Could be great. Steer be great? Could be great. McLean be great? Could be. And Carnacion could be. We thought Hunter Green great this year. Could be. So you get the point. But can you sit there and watch this year? 
and they sit right there behind home plate. Nick Crawl up in the booth, box up there, right? Two down from the visiting TV booth, radio booth, whatever. Can, can you sit there and, and continue to swig down loss after loss after loss when you know that you are in contention right now and not do anything about it? If we go get a starting pitcher, I'll talk myself into it. I'll get super excited. I, I will be crushed if we move prospects to go all in and try to win this year. I will be absolutely crushed. Uh, it would be the worst thing we could possibly do. So you're going to lose sleep at night if they trade Marte? Absolutely. I will be picketing outside Great American if we trade Noel V. Marte. I think that would be the absolute worst decision we can make as a franchise. I say the same thing about Edwin Arroyo. I say the same thing about almost anyone in the top, I don't know, probably 15 of our prospects, maybe even 20. I just don't see – I think we're two starters away. I think we're two or three bullpen arms away from being a legitimate contender. This lineup's great, but, I mean, it, it has holes too. These guys are young. They're going to yeah. keep slumping. I, I mean, I absolutely think it would be the worst thing for this team to go all in this year. Here's my issue with the process. And, again, the process has worked. I, I, I was proven wrong about it. Nick Kroll has done a phenomenal job. Nobody in here is saying differently. My issue with the process is that with a small market team, sometimes you get caught up in the future and you're saying, oh, the future, the future, the future. But like Tom's saying, there's a chance to win the division. Like Paul said, there's a chance to win this bad division right now. At some point, you have to worry about the current team, not the future, not five years from now, not 10 years from now, right now. Right now, at some point, you have to make a decision to compete. Do I think it's right now? I don't know. I would say no, not yet. But at some point, the mindset will have to change among, these, among Reds fans, among the front office, where it's a decision to go in today, not tomorrow. You go in today because the future, the future is fickle, right? You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen in a year. You don't know what the health situation of Ellie will be. You don't know anything. So you go down the line, right, and, and, and you worry about right now. But to Jacob's point, would I go in all, all in at this very second? No, I would not. Not with this roster. You know, Evan, Evan, Evan Mara, who's here all the time, says it's been six months and we want to ship it all the way. That, that's not what we're saying at all. Not what we're saying at all. And Nick, Nick Kirby jumps in, rightfully, we agree. Every prospect is not going to work out, which is why you need to have a loaded system to get prepared for that. One of the other reasons you have a loaded system is to deal to make a deal to get something that can help you now. Correct. Those are the two things a loaded system does. Nick is spot on. Yeah, some aren't going to work out, so you have somebody else that all of a sudden surprises you, right? Okay, well, you also have them to go get something. Now, look, somebody can say Minnesota, right? Seattle. They took on Sonny Gray. They took on Tyler Malley in Minnesota's case, right? Seattle takes on Winker, who was awful. Still not any good takes on Suarez, okay, and, and they give up a ton. And so they're probably waking up, baseball fans in Minnesota and Seattle, saying, good Lord, how do we not have Encarnacion, Strand, and Steer in our lineup? And Mally's out for the year, unfortunately, with Tommy John, right? Yep. So, look, I get it. But the, the, the other thing you have with all of these young players, and, and we've seen it already this year, is all of them play the same positions. Arroyo, Marte, all these guys. So 
if they don't trade any of them now, it's going to be interesting to see what the Reds do this winter in terms of getting those guys or somebody else on the major league roster. De La Cruz is an example to play another position. Everybody can't play third, short, and second. Marte at third, Elliott short, McLean at second next year is where we have it. Marte's played third base in our minor league system the entire time he's been here. Ellie, it seems like they're pigeonholing him into short. McLean's playing second, you know, whenever India's out of the lineup. I think we all kind of agree at this point, Jonathan India is not going to be here for the long haul. That's my infield with Christian and Canasio Strand at first. Steers are rotating into the outfield, and Edwin Arroyo is 18 years old, so we still got some years on him. Or he's older than that, but we still got years on him. Okay. I think there's a difference, though, between going all in and maybe trying to do something. That's right. Like, there's a difference here between trading these guys like Arroyo and Marte and, and these guys and just not sitting on your hands. Like, there is a middle ground between going through the deadline and watching maybe the Brewers try to make a push or, you know, don't look now, but the Cardinals have won six in a row. You know, I, I, it seems to me like the, the, the Cubs have – I don't want to say wave the white flag, but I, I don't know if the Cubs are going to be a factor here the rest of the season. And the Pirates are long gone. Yeah, they're reeling. They're, the, they're the, the Pirates are long, long gone. Yeah. So I think there is a middle ground here where you trade Jake Fraley and maybe a Tyler Stevenson or, or a Jonathan. I don't think they trade Jonathan India. There's a 0% chance but, they trade Tyler Stevenson. There's no chance. Not none? Why? They, we don't have another catcher. Like Chucky Robinson is not catching for this team every day. There's no chance they move Tyler Stevenson. Well, if Elliott managed, maybe. Well, <laughs> like maybe after the season Sorry. we can sign another catcher, but there's no way Tyler Stevenson gets moved to the deadline. Sorry, I thought a guy hitting 380 down in AAA could He's be a, a 130 career major league batter. Okay, but like, and this is where you pick and choose, right? Because Ellie and everybody else was hitting that way in AAA. They brought them all up. He's been up. They brought them all up. They brought them all up. Barrera's, but put, been, but Barrera's put, been up and down. Barrera's been up and down. They bring him up. I'm just saying you have Kirk Casale and Luke Maley who offer nothing other than veteran, uh, being a veteran catcher who can help the guys. I know that means something. I know being a good defensive catcher is important. I, I get that. But the catching position offensively for this team is horrendous. Horrific. Horrific. I think if you look at Chucky Robinson right now down in AAA, there is a chance he helps the catching position hit a ball. Yeah, I, Chucky yeah. Robinson only has 59 major league at bats. So, I mean, it's impossible to put, to, to, to put, no, I'm saying it's impossible to say that he can't hit at the big league level because that's just, I mean, not even 60 at bats. And you go through his minor league, you know, numbers. He's got, you know, solid, not great, solid numbers this year having just, you know, an unbelievable year, hitting 340. He's got nine bombs. 52 batted in. Triple-A Louisville, granted, not the major leagues. But uh, but, why anyway. did, but why does that matter for some people and not for others? Why does why – does That's a great question. That's an eternal question in baseball. I, because, I, I mean – Because look, one guy's a high-round draft pick and another guy's not. And he's, he's lingered around the minor leagues for a while. That's what happens. Okay. And, and it's unfortunate. Because I'm convinced in baseball, and I've said this for years, I'm convinced they miss out on players who could help their major league team. Because they're so wrapped up in, boy, are we going to get killed if this second-round draft pick or this third-round draft pick doesn't work out. And we're going to give them 11 chances, and we're not going to give this other guy who, you know, has had to scratch and fight and claw and all these other kinds of things just to get there. 
We're not going to give him a chance. But that's life. That's life. So, Indian, who else? You were saying. I mean, look, I'm not afraid to put one decent name on a block here to try and do something. that. But, but again, if nothing happens or if you call around and people aren't interested or you don't get the right package, you have the leverage here to be picky. You have the leverage here to say to yourself, okay, we didn't get what we wanted. We didn't get the bullpen help we needed. Or we didn't get the one golden arm starting pitcher that we wanted. Nick Kroll can say, all right, we're not going to trade these guys away. But you don't want to be afraid to do that just because, you know, you're not going to have enough you're not going to have enough spots at some point like you said, Tom, for all these dudes. Now Jacob did make a good point about the roster next year and what it could look like. But if if the roster next year is that, if that is what it is and that's the infield, then trade India and get him out of here. But I just, I don't, you know, everybody wants to get so obsessed with these prospects and you, and you get obsessed with the, the what could be and, and the future and everything. It's like, at some point, maybe you let one guy go and you hope that Nick Kroll has done well enough in the draft and in the international pool and everything else that you just, again, you're not... You're not forfeiting the franchise and the future because of one or two names that you no give up now. No doubt about it. No because doubt. If that's I'm the, with you all the way Because on if this that point. is the case, then he wasn't doing his job to begin with in building the depth. If you can't leverage one guy here, one guy, if you can't get rid of one guy, then what are we talking about? I'm with you. I'm with you. All the way, 100%, no doubt. Here's a question. Evan asked, okay, what if they don't get the right package for somebody to help them now? What if they don't? And you just threw that out there, Paul. What if they don't? Are you guys going to be mad if they sit around and watch this thing fall apart because they won't trade a 21-year-old third baseman at AA? Are you going to be mad... If you watched what happened for the last six days, not saying in that fashion, okay, where all of a sudden the offense goes to sleep because we think they got a good offensive team. But they just lose and lose and lose. And all of a sudden, you know, it, it goes from two and a half to four and a half to seven and a half. The Cubs leapfrog them. And by the time you hit August the 15th or August the 30th, you're nine games out of first place. But you didn't make that deal, boy, because you didn't want to give up that third baseman at double A. You're going to be mad at him or no? You're, you're going to trust the process. If, if, if the scenario that just ensued that you, that you laid out there happened, I would argue that one pitcher or one move wouldn't, got, wouldn't have gotten it done anyway. That's the argument right. that one would make if you're, on, if, if you're on that side. I will never, ever, ever criticize anybody who wants the Reds to be competitive right now. Never. So will I be upset if the Reds don't make a move? This year, probably not. I think it's okay. I think it's okay. I, I, I don't think the Reds are one starting pitcher away from being a World Series contender. I don't think they're one reliever away from being a World Series contender. There's several arms, several guys away from competing, and at that point you would have to go all in or some variation of pretty close to it 
And I don't know if, that, if, if right now is the time. But at the same time, Tom, competing right now is still important, right? You can't tank the season because you're trying to be – or you're playing for the future. The team is competitive right now. There's a, there's a serious chance that the Reds win the NL Central. And if that's the case, I would like to see a move made. I would like to see a move be made. And I think a majority of the fan base would agree. And, and the, the, one, the one argument that I, I can't stand in baseball, and, and Evan points it out, is, you know, what's the point of getting rid of prospects to get slapped by the Braves in round one? You just never know. You the never Braves, the know. Reds and the Braves went toe-to-toe for three games, and the whole series was decided by one run. And the Atlanta Braves have lost the last two games against Arizona. You just, they are not an unbeatable club. You they just, are not. They're a good club. They're the best record in the National League. They are by no means an unbeatable team. You just never know in baseball. In, in basketball, the best team almost always wins. In football, the best team pretty much always wins. In baseball, the best team wins a lot. But, man, if you can't look at this and say – they can go out there and compete. I'm not saying that this team is competing for the World Series. Do not misunderstand me. They would not be favored in probably any series that they compete in in the postseason. They would not. They would not be favored against Atlanta. They would not be favored against LA. They would not be favored against uh, whoever, Arizona. I think they would be a 50-50 bet against Arizona, Miami, Arizona, Milwaukee. No, Miami. Milwaukee, maybe not just because of what the season record is head-to-head this year. And there'll yeah. be some of that when they're setting odds. But I'm with you on Atlanta and the Dodgers. Uh, everybody else, I mean, why not? Why not? What about what the Orioles did last year, though? They were right where we are right now, and they sold. Because they, they had these now, young guys coming Yeah, up. we haven't they, gone to that point they yet. They dumped they, right, their roster. Right. And they were... They were in very similar place to where we are right now, and they are 20 games above 500, leading the hardest game and hardest division in baseball right now. What if that happens? That's true. What if I we mean, look, they're always the going to be what ifs. Right. Right. Yeah. So I would rather gamble on the guys we have in house than going out to get a rental pitcher. Okay. That's you know, Nick Nick jumps in says, "What about the the other argument? You do what the Twins did last year. We talked about this. You make a bad trade, and then you still don't make the playoffs. That could happen too. Of course, it could happen." All, all of these arguments, all of them come from a place where there are questions. No matter what decision, there, there, there are some no guarantees in every argument, right? There's yeah. no guarantee that all these players in the minor leagues are going to be great major league players. There's no guarantee that if you trade for a starter and a reliever, that this year's team still won't finish nine games back. There's that there, right? There's no guarantee that this time next year that you're going to be a playoff contender. Every single, no matter where you come down in this debate, should they or shouldn't they go out and do something to try and win now? There are unknowns about landing on each decision, each side of the argument, right? You just don't know. And if I'm Nick Crawl, if it's if you're asking me, I probably don't make a trade. 
I probably don't. Like if you if you're if you're if you're asking me what my opinion is and what I what we should what the Reds should do, I probably wouldn't make a trade in this situation. My point is that if something is to happen, I'm not going to sit there and be mad at Nick Crawl if he tries to win. If he does something that the fans on the surface don't initially like because he wants to win, I am not going to sit there and get mad at him unless it's incredibly outrageous, but he's built up enough cachet and enough goodwill with this fan base so far that I'm willing to at least give him the benefit of the doubt and trust him. But if you're going to ask me what I should do, I'm trading Jake Fraley or one of those guys that are already on the major league club and getting something for him. And if not, if that right deal doesn't exist and we never hear about it, then so be it. Then that's fine. Okay, let me ask you this. Because here's something that's brought up, and I was thinking about it before it was brought up. Ronnie Smith says, Reds need to go out and make a move in the offseason. Okay, well, that could be defined in any number of ways. Votto's $20 million comes off the books. Moustakas, $18 million comes off the books. There are a few other guys. Big money should be open to pour into players. You would think free agent players. But let me ask you this. Let's just say hypothetically that the Reds have made a decision internally that they are willing in the right trade to move India and or Stevenson. Okay? Let's just say that for a second. All right? And maybe, you know, 15 or 14 number 12 prospect during the offseason, to get whatever, you name it, veteran pitcher. Why would you wait till the offseason? If you're going to make that move, if you're going to make that argument, make a big move or a big deal in the offseason, why wouldn't you make that move now? Anybody response to that? Anybody? Bueller? Uh, well, I mean, Bueller. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't make an offseason trade. Like, I wouldn't make a trade like that in the offseason either. I mean, I, I'm not trading these prospects for pitchers for a year or two. But he's I, saying trade Jonathan India. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Do no, that, but I'm saying why wait? If you've said well, we feel very confident based on what you said a little while yeah. ago that, you know, you're going to have Marte at third, right. you're going to have uh, Elliott short, short, McLean McLean's at second, second, right? If you've made that decision, and, and clearly there has been some reluctance. I don't know how much direct re reluctance, but there's been some reluctance for India to move positions. Correct. Somewhere inside the halls, there at Great American Ballpark or out in Goodyear, Arizona, I can promise you that conversation has taken place. And I think it was lukewarm. And we heard from his agent, Scott Boris. And he had a logical argument for why a player shouldn't do it. He at least had stats, and he had uh, some injury situations to back up why a guy like India wouldn't do it. But if you've made that decision, that that's your long-term plan, then why are you going to wait to move India when there's a good chance he could probably bring you something decent right now that might help you win? You might be able to – you probably have a better chance of getting a controllable pitcher in the offseason versus a rental at the deadline. 
I mean, that's my, would be my biggest thing. I, I would be hesitant to trade Jonathan India for a, a two-month rental of, you know, Lucas Giolito or whatever we're talking about there. You probably have a better chance at getting a, a, a pitcher with a couple years of control in the offseason. So that, I mean, that's probably why. Mm -hmm. I just don't know. I don't know when the mindset changes. I don't know when the mindset in this fan base with, with, with the front office, when it changes that we go in right now. The, and again, I don't like to say this. The Reds have been a bad organization for the better part of 25 years. Bad. They have not known what to do. They appeased the fans. They did a half-assed trade when they got Mike Miner. That contract was horrible. The deal was horrible. They traded Amir Garrett for Mike Miner to appease the fan base because the fan base wanted them to sign somebody. I'm not saying they do that. Nick Kroll, don't think about the fans. Don't worry about the fans. But if there's a chance to compete at the moment, go for it. Not all in. I'm not saying go all in. But Jonathan India has already been ruled out by half the fan 75% of the fan base, that he has no, no position in this team, no position in this city. The city wants him out of the city. So I, I, I think you trade Jonathan India right now for a starting pitcher if Nick Kroll believes that there is a chance to win the division, which objectively there is. I, I agree with Tom completely. Why would you wait for the, for the offseason right now if, if, if the team needs a starting pitcher right now when you're going to trade him anyway? If you're going to trade him anyway, trade him now. There has to be a second team in a trade. So if Correct. a team with the control Correct. of the pitcher Correct. doesn't want to trade for Jonathan Correct. India, Correct. it's out of the Reds' hands. Correct. Social Elite says right now uh, you're not getting anything for India in the offseason that you can't get now. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and, and Evan points out, as, as uh, Jacob did, you know, it, it needs to be a controllable guy for a team like three. I got to tell you, though, uh, and I've thought about this the last couple of days. I am really surprised at the amount of venom that's uh, directed. And believe me, I can spew the venom with the best of them. Um, but I am surprised at the amount of venom that India is getting right now. I don't think a player in this city, I don't think a, 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 an athlete in this city has received the vitriol that he has. I, 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 don't, I don't think well, so. Well, I don't know about that, but. The okay, let me rephrase. Has received the vitriol he has for for doing nothing wrong. You talking about India? Yeah. Reed's comparison to Andy Dalton was fantastic. Serviceable guy gets the job done, and for some reason, everybody's out on him. Andy Dalton also couldn't win a playoff game. I think there's I think there's difference, mm. right? Oh, but yeah, you're right. You're right on that. But he got Andy, Dal there. Andy Dalton crumbled. Andy Dalton crumbled in every big moment he ever had. Jonathan India is like 2020 AJ Green. We just have better and younger behind him. I agree. I and I agree with that. I'm Good analogy. Saying, Good analogy. I'm just saying the fan base wanted his head in week four of this season. Week four. But it, and they have called for it ever since. It's probably right. not great for the mindset of a player. You're, it's probably not great to be hearing that behind closed doors. I know it's a business. I know it's a business, but guess what? These guys are human beings. They're people, and they see their fan base turn against them. The front office is talking about trading him. It probably is not great for the mental well-being of a player trying to get out of a slump. I'd say that. That would be my argument to that. And at the end of the day, you're hitting 197 over 30 games. I don't really care who you are. You're going to get a lot of hate in the city. Correct. That's, and that's a, it and doesn't that's, matter. And who it's you a are. fair point. And it that, doesn't help that he's abysmal in the field. And I and I've turned and I've turned around on this too. I, I've joined the I've joined the, the committee. I've joined the trade Jonathan Indy committee. He has no spot with, with Strand here. He's not gonna have a spot when Noelvi's here. Trace makes the comment about being a leader. Why can't a leader be good? 
leaders matter. I mean, if you, if you think leaders matter, that's nonsense. I mean, leaders objectively have a role in the MLB clubhouse. Paul said it with the Nationals uh, in their World Series here. There was a, there's, a, there's a clubhouse leader. Is Jonathan India that guy? I don't know. Maybe he's not. But it certainly seems like that way. It certainly seems that way to the public. And that's why I think being a leader to a team does have relevance. Yeah, and I mean, look, um, you know, you get into the whole thing about keeping a guy too long. The, the, the Andy Dalton thing is a very interesting comparison. It's different in that one had far more longevity. But I think anybody could have made the argument. I mean, it, somebody said in the chat he was booed at some softball, celebrity softball game here recently. I think that was probably Logan Wilson's deal or maybe it's something else. How in the world could anybody boo Andy Dalton? I mean, seriously. If you go to some charity event and you get off on booing anybody, I don't care who's there, right? Unless Dahmer shows up to play second base. But, I mean, seriously, who goes to something like that and boos Andy Dalton? But, I was doing NFL games every week for 25 years and watched a lot of football. I thought the Bengals should have moved on from him after about a fourth or fifth year. It was time to, it was time to go. But, we, but you got all wrapped up in making the playoffs, making the playoffs, making the playoffs. Then you get a playoff game and just get bludgeoned because the quarterback couldn't win the big game and didn't even play well in the big game. I mean, his stats were mind-boggling in primetime games and in playoff games. I mean, when you look at them, and we'll put them up when we get closer to football season. When you, when you put them up, you actually can't believe it. I remember doing a Bengals game here for Fox and coming in, and you're like, you have got to be kidding me. I think the same thing could have been said for Marvin Lewis. There was a point in time where it was time to move on. And you waited too long. And you kept going through this heartbreak year after year after year after year. I'm wondering if, you know, can you hang on to India too long? If he's not part of the future, you got to move now. And don't let all this, there, there's just been a lot of hate for the dude. Um, and, and I don't get it. He, he gives you everything he's got. Tracy Jones used to give you everything he had. He gives us everything he has, we think. Look at that In-N-Out t-shirt. It's a big lake t-shirt. Yeah, it's a little overrated, though, In-N-Out. Don't you think? Oh, yes. Yes. You know, I, I, tell yes. you, I tell you, Tracy, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's a lot like a McDonald's or not comparison the product there. Right. Uh, but I think that it depends on which one you go to. Yeah. I think there's some skylines that are that way. I think some skylines are better than others. Yes! I think there are yes! some in and outs that are better than others. And I've been to them in California and Arizona and Texas, and yeah. you have too. Well, you know what? If that, if that company ever went public, I'd be all over it because oh, yeah. the line to get in is incredible. That woman who owns it, young girl, by the way, is the first woman billionaire in this country. I don't know what her name is, but she has a great history. Uh, every time I go, there's a line. Really popular. I think the prices are reasonable, but I tell you, they have the worst French fries I've ever had. Terrible. 
I'm, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm with you on that. But their burgers are pretty doggone good. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I it mean, is. they're pretty good. I, I tell um, you what, the, the T-shirt is nice, though. I like the T-shirt. I like the T-shirt. From, yeah, it looks um, good. What, what, what's the hat have on it? You know, I, I, didn't, I never asked you, and it was pointed on the chat multiple times, about you, you, you recently have been wearing a hat that's a San Francisco 49ers hat. Why? I never wore San Francisco 49er. I wear a Winston-Salem. I wear a Long Beach dirt bags. Yeah. And, and, do you see that Y? Yeah. What does that stand for? Y'alls. Florence, you alls. Not you alls, y'alls. Sorry. I know how you hate that. It bugs the hell out of you when I mispronounce that. But people, don't forget August 16th. You alls, the Florence y'alls. It's the y'alls, not the you alls. The y'alls. You alls, uh, Florence uh, you alls, Tracy Jones bobblehead, August sixteenth. So if you guys would, I'm going to bring a bobblehead to the studio and take down that damn rookie card and put my bobblehead up there. We will, will you please. We'll put you right there uh, in amongst a group of, who are those two? I can't see them over there that are next to Tracy's card. One of them's an old time guy. Uh, uh, is that George Wright? Who is that? That's, that's you and your dad, I'm pretty no, sure. No, 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 I'm talking about over here, closer <laughs> to Tracy. Yeah, I know the two old guys my dad would be, but over here, uh, I don't know who that is. I oh, that's, that's, that's the Xavier guy. Wait, you mean Joe and Byron? At the blue desk? <clears throat> Who are the two Reds bobbleheads down here? Yeah. No, you can't oh. see them in the picture there. You got to move oh, over oh, closer oh, towards okay. Casey. Hang on. Veda Pinson and George Wright. Right? Right, thank you. George My Wright bad. and Veda oh, Pinson. There's two rookie cards, I'm pretty sure, right? That's yes. the one on the left one. Tracy, you will be right there, your bobblehead given out by the, now help me here, Florence. Y'alls. Amen. That'll be okay. on August the 16th, right? Yes. August Are you going to be 16th. out there signing autographs, meeting people when they come in the door? What are you doing? I'm going to be signing autographs. And I think, again, $5, I think, is a good value. If you want me to sign the bobblehead, that'll be $10. So, please, i got to make some extra money. You know, I bring that up. i got paint all over myself. I don't think my place is going to sell, Tom. I think they're backing out. There's a lot of... Uh, things that need to be fixed and I'm not fixing them. So you're going to take my place. Remember on 209 Bird Street. Yeah, yeah. Take it or leave it as is. I'm not going to spend $20,000 on a house that was built in 1894. Okay. It's an old house. If you want a nice place, go to Terrace Park or Bellevue or Indian Hill. There, there they have new nice places. Uh, Paul, you're the one that, that, that might be in the market here. I mean, uh, any last... Thoughts about this? You mean on housing? <laughs> on his house. Oh, well, yeah. Actually, Lizzie and I, uh, we made the decision a couple of days ago. I think we're going to go for an apartment, not a house. So I don't know if that puts us out of the market. Tracy, one thing I will say, I don't know if you know this, but uh, yeah. my, first, my first job in professional baseball was broadcasting for the Florence Yalls. So I'm intimately familiar with, uh, oh. I would say, UC Health Stadium. It's now, I think, Thomas More Stadium. Yes, but, it is. Yeah. Very nice ballpark. Very nice. It is, and you know they would do a lot of they would do a lot of fun stuff. You know, the, between the fireworks and the promotions, like the guy Tracy. Ever seen the guy that they uh, actually? You know what, Tracy? You should do this on the night of your bobblehead. They tape somebody up in right field. Do you know this promotion? 
Yeah, I, I think you the put on the Velcro uh, suit and you go out in right field and you get Velcro to the wall. And if you catch a home run, you win like a car or something. That would be oh. awesome. Well, let's get Tracy you out Jones. there doing that, Tracy. Well, I don't really need a car because I've got a Range Rover and a Cadillac Escalade. So I really don't need three cars. Here, let me throw this at you guys. My wife, speaking of cars, Tom, you're going to love this. Got her vanity license plate. Oh I just God. picked it up. You ready for this? And let me just let me just describe my wife. She is an egomaniac. She all she talks about is money. She brags about the car she drives. That she was a homecoming queen. That she dated five professional athletes. Juvenile humor. Nothing like me, Tom. Right? Nothing like me. So she gets. This vanity. All right, wait a minute, plate. wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay? okay, you just said a few things about her, and that, that's fine. I mean, you're the one that said it, not me. I right. would like to add to that list. She is also a highly productive human being in the workforce and has been for a long, 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 long time. So go ahead. She's actually stinking rich, which really makes her attractive. Okay, because she's um, earned it. Yeah, she has. She started. Okay. Uh, I, I would. I would love to throw the figure out. She's actually retiring at the uh, beginning of next year, and the money that she got to retire was a Howard Hughes pension plan. Back when Howard Hughes, a great man, yep. took yep. care of their employees. My wife started delivering paychecks. At $6.50 when she was 17, she's been there like 35 years, she's going to retire with millions of dollars. I, I, it, it's okay. amazing. It's so amazing. why are you bad-mouthing okay. her? We're having a car or whatever these other things you said about her? That, that's okay because if we get a divorce, um, I'll go after her pension. Okay, here's, here's, the, uh, here's the license plate. Now, you guys, everyone play along. This is... Honest to God truth. You ready? Here's the license plate she's going to put on her car. What does it say? Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's incredible. Awesome? Is that incredible? <laughs> she listens to the show, and she's going to – I think it's a terrible idea. I'll be honest with you. I don't like it because that's how you get your, your key uh, – car keyed, right? No one wants to be, you know, ham and egger driving around in a $100,000 Range Rover. Put, put really? that up a little higher. Put that up a little higher. It says, in God we trust, too. Look at that. I mean, <laughs> that's all you need to know. The Commonwealth, ham and egger, in God we trust. You are officially dialed in. Danae Jones. <laughs> you like that stuff, don't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the greatest. That, that's incredible. That's fantastic. That is an outstanding <laughs> license plate. <laughs> so when she has that, how in the world could you say anything negative about her? Well, I, I just don't, I'm not into the whole vanity license plate. I got to tell you, when I was a, a, a kid, I knew I was going to be famous and a major league baseball player. I just knew it. My dad knew it when I was five years old. Um, I was actually bred to be a major league baseball player. My you you lived down the street from the Marinovich family, so you knew all about yes. it out there in California. Well, yeah. my dad actually used to date. Well, when he first dated my mom, the first date they went on, he ran out of gas on purpose and had my mom push the car to the gas station just yep. to prove how strong she was. Absolutely. Then, that's how you find right. out if that's good breeding material. That's a solid, well, that, solid veteran move. 
That's exactly. He actually pulled a fire alarm in class and then had a stopwatch and timed how fast she got out of the building. I mean, it was, and she was very fast. But Tom, the whole thing with the Vanny license plate, come on. Yeah. I, I wanted to, I knew I was going to be, like I said, a, a Major League Baseball player, and I was going to put on my license plate, you know who, because everybody would know who I am, right? Now I'm thinking about it. That's a bad idea. You don't want attention drawn no. to you. I don't. You no. know how I am. No. And, and here it is. This. That's not good. The big eagle, that lady. Boy, I love that ham and egger. That's just an awesome license plate. Uh, let me ask you about, real quick, this whole, um, this whole red thing. And look, you and I, Tracy, we've talked about this on this show before. There are unknowns to every decision we make in life. I'm asking you specifically about the Reds. They win 12 in a row. Everybody gets excited. They lose six in a row. People are chapped. And why are they chapped? Because they were excited and they care. It's the first time I felt like the town cared about the baseball team right. in a long, long time. Okay. So, look. Everybody's talking about how great their minor league system is, rank, racked up with all these guys. There's talk about a guy like India. Is he part of the future? Does he really have a position? You got other guys you feel like could play. McLean at second, Cruz over at short, young guy coming up, Marte at third. You've brought his name up before. You've watched some video of him, uh, yep. among others. Yeah. Um, if you're Nick Crawl, or, or take Nick Crawl out. If you're Bob Castellini and the first time you can sense that there's energy behind the franchise and the team after some down years, none more so than last year, are you going to sit and watch this thing unravel and not make a deal? Man, I tell you what, I talked about this yesterday when I met with uh, Amanda Brenneman's uh, hus uh, husband, you, your dad. Uh, yeah. And we talked about the same, same thing. Do you make a move? I would not make a move. I would stand pat and I would let Green Lodolo, I guess, is not going to come back till September. But here's the problem I run into, you run into, is you've got to almost do something for the fan base, right? You got to do something. Well, I don't and, know and if you do or not. That's what I'm asking you. I mean, yeah. you know, if you to listen to the fan base, keep in mind now, uh, there were a lot of the fans that were really bent out of shape when this team traded Jesse Winker, who everybody around <laughs> here said was going to be yeah. this great player. All the analytics guys told us how great Jesse Winker was going to be. A. Eugenio Suarez, he had a hell of a career here. One of the best he players did. in the last 40, 50 years with a franchise. Had a great run at it. Um, Sonny Gray had a nice little run at it. Tyler Mallett. Yep. You know, they start yep. trading away all the Kyle Farmer. I mean, seriously, yeah. Kyle Farmer, nice guy. But people were melting down in this city when they traded Kyle Farmer. Okay. So, I mean, if you listen to the fans, you wouldn't be where you are right now. Well, let me, let me give you an example in, in, of doing something. Do you remember 86, 87? Uh, no, very well. Very well. We were right there, Tom, right? We had all those position ball players. We needed a pitcher, right? We had plenty of chips to trade. Never made a move. And never made a move. Nothing. No pitcher. 
and we finished second that year in 86 and 87. So I think players, even the players on the team now, are expecting some kind of move, kind of give them a little boost. Now, I, I don't know how many top-notch pitchers are out there. Probably not any, right? But right. I think you could improve the bullpen. I think you can go out and get a couple guys to strengthen the bullpen. I think that's the move. But I wouldn't give up any of those stud players. I wouldn't. I, I, you know, I don't want to see a, a Larry Anderson for Jeff Bagwell trade. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I know Wasn't what you're talking trade? about. I know what you right? mean. That, that's a so great would, example. That's a great yeah. example. Yes. Yeah. I would yes. really watch trading those guys, but I would make a move to strengthen the bullpen. That's my move. Hmm. I just, yeah. What would you but, do? Well, you know, I mean, we've been talking about this basically for two hours today. Uh, and and really, tough. you know, you can't, you can't talk enough about it because people <coughs> are, are wondering here, you know, what is the right move? And, and as we were talking before you came on about the unknown, you know, people who say, well, you can't, like you just said, I can't trade any of these top prospects, um, which is a perfectly viable argument. Right. The flip side of that is the unknown is, you know, what if they're not Jeff Bagwell? Right. What if they're Jeff Jones? Okay. Pick some, I mean, there's no guarantee that all these young players, I mean, Tracy, we were talking to my dad early in the show today. When this season began, just put it into context in this way, okay, and relate this yeah. on a different level to these minor league players. The four players we were talking about the most on this Reds team and the future of the Cincinnati Reds before this season began, they were Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, the yeah. only two position players that anybody even contemplated thinking about hanging around for the long haul. Nobody was talking about Jake Fraley or TJ no. Friedel. Yeah, you knew you had some of these guys coming up through the minor leagues. But the only two guys anybody talked about were India and Stevenson. Right? I know. India right. and Stevenson are afterthoughts on this team. And Lodolo and Green have been gone so long, it's almost as though they haven't even pitched for this club this season. And I don't think that's being disrespectful. I think most Reds fans feel like we have not seen either one of those guys in forever. So, so my question is, how did they do it? How are they winning? You know, they've had a rough spot going in the last few games. Yeah. But how have they done I'll tell you how they've done it, Tom. And this is a blueprint going forward for a lot of general managers. Here's a stat of the day for you guys, for you JOs. Last 40 games. Are you ready for this? The yeah. Reds have stolen 70 bases. 70 yeah. stolen bases. The next team down, 46, Arizona. They're stealing bases. They're getting to second well, base. Well, now hold on, hold on. In fairness... Okay, what you said is statistically right. But during the six-game losing streak, they're not getting anybody on base. So they're not – I mean, they, 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 they're getting shut out every night. And when they do get a guy on base, he's standing at second base in the bottom of the ninth inning with nobody out and gets picked off. Well, here's, here's – let me just throw this at you, and, and you guys might want to write this down because I don't think anybody's ever said this. You make a good point. You can't steal – 
first base. That's right. Have you ever heard that before? Uh, you know, you are a guy I think I heard it from first back in the mid-80s. Yes. But they also have the highest average in the major leagues with a runner on second base. So they're getting key hits. Those are just yeah. a couple stats that I think are really important. Timely hitting and getting that guy to second base, going from first to third on a base hit. A lot yeah. of those guys can run. Not blazing speed. It's not like Dela Cruz. But they all can run. And I think teams, you know, that all spin to win and launch angle, yeah. I think they're going to push that to the side. I know you agree with me, Tom. A little bit more stolen bases. I mean, I, I like that kind of baseball. Well, they got this center fielder down at, uh, I think they moved him from single A to double A. I'm drawing a blank on the name right now. But this kid's got 38 stolen bases. He's hitting, I mean, it's, yeah. it's some guy that's come out of nowhere. And, and, I mean, they got a bunch of these guys in the minor leagues. Even Arroyo stole two bases in the game yesterday. And, I mean, they, they, that is obviously a part of uh, a philosophy for this franchise now that we are going to be a very aggressive base running team. Uh, and it doesn't mean you have to be – I used to say all the time, um, you know, you, you'd have guys – Tracy, you remember this. Now, you were a really fast guy. But there would be guys that played in the big leagues just because they were smart base runners and good base runners, where it'd be a guy you'd never suspect in a million years. And you look at the end of the season, and they're 12 out of 14, stealing second. Yeah. Right, right? You know, whatever they are. I think they have some of those guys on this team that are like that, too. Uh, a steer could be a guy like that. Fraley this year, I don't know if a lot of people saw him getting all these stolen bases, but it's a philosophy right. of the team. And, and it, it brings energy to the team, doesn't it? It really does, but it, it, it kind of goes back to what they did back years of years ago with the scouting with the Reds, right? Everyone could run. We all could bunt. I mean, Sabo could run. Larkin can run. Paul O'Neill could run. Cal Daniels, before he hurt his knee, he could run. I mean, of course, Eric could run. But, I mean, we had all these players. You were... You were kind of a complete player. And I think that's what the Reds scouting kind of going to now is as players, because of the rule change, it's speed. And, and I like it. I, I like baseball where guys are stealing bases. Uh, the guy's on defense. Uh, Zach Freeze, thank you very much. The, the, the young man's name is Blake Dunn. I drew a blank on his name there for a second. Yeah. He is really having a very, very impressive year. Combination of speed, extra base hit power. All those kinds of things. It's been a really, really good year. Um, okay. Um, now moving forward. They end the six-game losing streak. They're playing here in about, um, what, 45 minutes, whatever it is, 1235 yeah. today. Okay. Um, Arizona comes in. They've beaten Atlanta the last two nights after really kind of plodding along. They got... They got swept by Toronto to begin the second half of the season, but now they're going for the sweep today in Atlanta. After that, you go to Milwaukee for three. After that, you, you play the Dodgers in L.A. for three. So here we are, not even midway yeah. through this huge stretch post-All-Star break. Um, where do you think we see the Reds sitting in the division standings? They're two and a half back. I know you don't have a crystal ball, but – Knowing their youth, knowing these big games, knowing where they are from a pitching standpoint, what's a reasonable expectation for where they're going to be in 10 days, 12 days from now? 
This is the toughest stretch in that schedule, and I actually looked at it. You got San Francisco, Arizona, Milwaukee. You got one off day, and then you play the Dodgers. So this is really a, a, a tough part of the season. But if you can get by this and play 500 ball, Tom, which I, I think they can, look at September. Have you looked at that schedule? There's a lot of – and I don't like to break down the schedule, but you look at that September, that's a lot of weak teams. I mean, you got the Nationals, you got the Pirates, you got the Cardinals. I mean, you've got some really weak teams. But these next couple series, big time. But I think if 500, I think would be a goal. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, all right. Uh, anything on your mind before we let you get out of you here know, and go enjoy your weekend? I, I do. You normally have something you'd like to bring to the table. I always means now do. is I the always. time. Yes. Uh, was at a ball game. Watch. There's a field right across by the Bellevue Vets that I watch baseball games. Occasionally, I would sit down in the outfield and watch a ball game for a couple innings. There was a parent that got thrown out of the game for heckling the umpire. Oh, I didn't well, that's hear what not he good. said. Not good. It's not good. They have a rule. I don't know if you guys have touched on this. In New Jersey, where if you get thrown out of a game, a little league game by a parent, they have to umpire three games. That's their rule if you want to come back and sit in the stands. You get thrown out, you have to come back as an umpire. Wow. Your thoughts. What do you I think of that. that? I love that. I think that is a fantastic idea. Here, here's the problem, and I got this from Marty. I hear you have a bit of an issue sometimes with umpires, referees. Never. Never. Nope. It, nope, nope. I never got on those guys' tail. I've been teed up before uh, as a basketball <laughs> coach. I've been teed well, up, but I mean, well, it wasn't from teed? getting on their tail. I mean, it was, you know, matter of fact, I still see a lot of those guys. I, I mean, my son was on the show yesterday, and he tells this mm -hmm. story about we're playing in the city championship game, and I get teed up with three minutes to go, and we're down a point. And my son, the point guard, walks over to me, says, way to go, Dad, you just lost – the city championship for it. What, you know, now the scribes all these years later, they realize what a motivating tool that was and they went on to win the game. But point being is that when I got teed up on that, all I did was there was some foul called and I turned around and said really loud, no, teed up. I'm not getting on anybody's case. Well, the funniest, the funniest tee I ever got is when this was an old John Madden line. Other team shooting a free throw. I'm standing next to the, the, the official, and I said to him, I said, can I ask you one question? He says, yeah. I said, are you watching the same game I'm watching? Oh, Teed up immediately. No cuss words, no nothing. I saved those for the kids. Um, <laughs> did I just say that? No, but look, I never, I never, especially baseball when I coach baseball, I Hold never on. one Hold time on. got you on an umpire's ass about anything. Ever. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, it's easier said than done. You know, you can sit there and preach and say, you know, I don't get into it with an umpire. I'll tell you what, when my kid is called out on a pitch that's a foot outside, that really upsets me. When the ball bounces and they call a strike or, you know, he, he gets clipped in the back playing football. Hey, it's tough. I, I, you know, you can say and do whatever you want to me. I mean, I get abused all the time. But you say something about, or you do something about my kid, Hunter, we got issues. We well, got no, and, and you know that. Well, and that's why I, you know, it's funny you bring up that rule in Jersey because, you know, I never got on the baseball umpires when I coached the Little League baseball stuff. 
But I will say this. I had a greater appreciation for the umpires when my son started umpiring as a summer job, right? Umpiring the little, little guys. And I'd go to the games and just sit behind home plate and just watch him and, you know, just kind of hang out. Nice day like you're talking about. And just right. to see how he did and if anything comes up, whatever it might be. Um, you know, and, 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 and all of a sudden you start hearing guys, to your point, yelling stuff, you know, parents from the stands – yelling stuff at a seventh-grade umpire. You're like, come on. Come on. I know. But you know what? It's part of the game, Tom. As long as you don't abuse I, – I umpired. That's what I did. My whole life, I'd umpire, you know, co-ed softball. And, and even when I would come home, because I was so money-hungry and I got paid like $50 to umpire two games, I was all about getting money. Yeah. And yeah. I would go umpire games. And, and and so I understood. I could take a little bit. I would say, you know what? I missed that call. But when someone starts yelling, hey, when are you going to get a real job? To me, I, and someone goes like this. He goes, you know, he plays in the big leagues. And you see that Corvette out there? That's his car. He's like, oh, oh, I didn't know. But yeah, he was yelling, when you get, get a real job. Get a real job. Well, I had a real job playing in the big leagues. Enough said. Enough said. All right, give us a ham and egg or one last look before we let you go. Pull it up. Here it is, how boys. Long is it gonna, how long is it, how long's it going to be before she gets her car keyed? If you see this driving around, please. It's not, it's not my idea. Here it is. Gentlemen. Ham and egg or ham and egg. Or. Doesn't get any better than that. No. That is big league, as I like to say. Tracer. <laughs> All right, Thanks boys. for your time, my man. Have a great weekend. All right. See you guys. 37 for his first 100. It's an all-time Reds record. Really? I didn't no know. No Ellie De La Cruz. No Matt McClain. That no was Joey Tracy Votto. Jones. No Frank Robinson. Tracy, Tracy Jones. Mm. Wow. 37 hits in his first 100 at-bats. Really? As a Red. Wow. Good for him. 37 in his first 100? 37 in his first 100, Tom. Did he tell you that? No. I heard it on the Reds radio or TV. I can't remember which one it was. Oh. Yeah. I saw it. It was in a little display case in the Hall of Fame. That's right. It, sh it should be. If it's not, should be. But we're going to have that bobblehead in a, in, in a few weeks, about a month. August 16th, French Yalls. It's a great ballpark. Should we go to there? Should we go to that you know, game? No, we probably should go. Should we? Tra no chance Tracy's watching the show right now. Should we all go and surprise him? The only thing I got to find out is I got to find out. Well, I'm moving Luke in on the 15th. And I need to, I mean, uh, 15th or 6th, I got to find out uh, in the college. Um, but, I, but if I'm not, if we're done with that, we're Let's in. Let's go. We're in. Let's you guys it. in? Well, I'm Jacob in. Well, I, would, in I would be out. You in? I'm in. You're in? I'm in. Let's go. And, okay. We're going to go support our main man, Trace, especially after that Hammond Eggers license plate. Yeah. That's big time. I'll go. All right. Do we have a uh, yeah, we do. on top? We do. It's kind of a topic, but we'll, we'll roll through it real quick. This, uh, this it's just got to be real quick. Yeah. This just, yes. I'm No, trust me, Tom. I'm with you. Uh, this just came out. This was a headline from Gordon Whitmire, yep, Whitmire yep, or something. Yep. yep. Uh, the tweet, for those of you listening in podcast form, it's a tweet. And the tweet is a quote, and it says, I hate it. And then the headline of the article is, How CES's Arrival Creates Rotation of Bench Time for Every 
Reds regular. This is a sensationalized headline that is completely out of context. And it's this is tough. This is a tough look because the quote comes from Jonathan India. But if you actually click the article and read it, it's very out of context and it makes him it makes him look a whole lot worse than he is. And now all of a sudden this tweet's everywhere. This is tough. You can't be doing this. Absolute clickbait headline. Absolute clickbait. And the other thing too is even if India says, you know, I hate it, like he could just he could be kind of saying that with a smile on his face and be like, ah, I hate it. I'm not playing every day, you know? Like you just have no idea what he's saying here or how he's being phrased without the context of it. I read the whole article just a second ago. Dude, that's the world we live in, and it's just sad. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. And I'm not saying that Gordon was the guy who made that headline. Because, I mean, if that was his Twitter or Cincinnati.com. No, No, that's his tweet. Okay, all right. Okay, all right. Well, I'm just saying it's the world we live in. I mean, it's, it's what can you say louder? What can make more clicks? What can do all this stuff? Uh, as opposed to just, you know, telling it the right way. All right. Um, Luis Gonzalez is going to join us tomorrow. Diamondbacks are coming into town. My old buddy Gonzo, game-winning hit, bottom of the ninth inning, to beat Mariano Rivera, game seven of the 2001 World Series. What a career he had. He now calls the Diamondbacks games on television. He will be joining us tomorrow. And we'll, of course... uh, Recap what's going on at the Open. We'll talk about the Reds and the Giants and the upcoming Arizona series. We never got to the Bengals' Reign of Honor. That's my fault. We stayed on this Red saying we will get to that tomorrow. Boomer Esiason, Chad Ochocinco, congratulations. Gentlemen, thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Great show today, Tom. Amen. Amen. Thank all of you for being with us. We'll see you tomorrow.